You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. The world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor, Be Here, or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. <laughs> we got to stop this. This is a crazy anti-American idea. Coming from the Department of Homeland Security, they're supposed to be protecting us from terrorists. That's uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. And he announced late last week that they'd like to set up a disinformation governance board. Disinformation governance board. They will figure out what's truth, what's disinformation, what's misinformation. I don't like the sound of it. Do you? And by the way, Disinformation Governance Board, DGB for short, remind anybody of the KGB? This is perilously close to what they do in socialist countries, which I do believe is what they want. And these guys should not be going near it. They screw up everything they touch, right? The border, the same people who let open our southern border now want to determine what's truth, what's not, Stay the hell out of it. You got enough problems, especially, by the way, this Mayorkas character. Half of Congress wants him uh, fired because he's terrible at his job. And we had a real hint of that. Number one, the border situation, of course, but also him, his manner, his affect. It's a very strange individual. This is what we do. We yeah. know how to do it. We have dealt with surges in the past, and the men and women of the Department of Homeland Security will succeed. Uh, when I say it takes time, I mean it, because we're dealing with a dismantled system. And we did not have the ordinary, um, safe, and just transition from one administration to another. But we are still in the midst of the pandemic. There is central uh, CDC controls in place. And Border Patrol agents are focused on operations, on securing the border, on addressing the needs of vulnerable children. We are not focused on ride-alongs right now. Always smiling. 
He reminds me of Baghdad Bob. Anybody remember him, the Iraqi information minister who said everything was great as U.S. tanks were rolling right behind him? That's the kind of guy he is. And right now, again, Department of Homeland Security setting up a disinformation governance board. They're going to determine what's truth, what's fiction, what's disinformation. Oh, and watch out for Russia. Where have we heard that before? We address disinformation that presents a security threat to the homeland. Disinformation from Russia, from China, from Iran, from the cartels. So bad at his present job, now he wants to expand it into an area where government has absolutely no business. It gets worse. This is a working group that takes best practices to make sure that in addressing disinformation that presents a threat to the homeland, does our work does not infringe on free speech, okay, so does not infringe on civil rights, civil liberties. It's not about speech. Well, it's about the connectivity to violence. This is actually where it gets very dangerous, what they want to do. Disinformation. Disinform you know what they call disinformation and false narratives? He was speaking about false narratives late last week. And he yes, they've actually put it out there in their Department of Homeland Security um, memorandum. Some domestic violent extremists have continued to advocate for violence in response to false or misleading narratives about unsubstantiated election fraud. <laughs> Who unsubstantiated it? Alejandro Mayorkas, what do they do? Read a bunch of fake news articles? Look, violence, advocating for violence, threats of violence, that's already against the law. What they're trying to criminalize is our concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. And you know what they'll do with that, because if you say anything about it, aha, you're advocating for an insurrection. Now, that's not true, but that's why they hype the hell, excuse me, out of January 6th. That's why they have to say it was the worst thing that ever happened since the War of 1812, the deadly insurrection, our democracy on the brink. The hype serves their purpose, right? So you can't talk about the election because if you do, they have an excuse to monitor because there's a connectivity to violence. And who's going to be in charge of all this? This is... Whoa, 33-year-old uh, Nina Jankowitz, uh, she went to Bryn Mawr, she's got a master's from Georgetown, and uh, she wrote a book, a pretty kooky book, actually. Let's put it up. How to be a woman online surviving abuse and harassment and how to fight back. This is what she does, by the way. She's, uh, she's basically an online troll. She spends all of her time online. She's hyper, hyper partisan, and she is going to be in charge of all of us, right? Weighing in on these matters, stay the hell out of it. Excuse me, this is too close. Again, DGB, KGB, you get it? It's too close. And by the way, I have some experience in this. I was in Russia in 1985. I was actually followed by the KGB. And um, we don't want that here, right? Of course we don't. And by the way, if you really want to fight disinformation, Secretary Mayorkas, how about you stop lying about America like you did in New York City before a group of African-Americans who were very fired up and wanted to be even more fired up?
the greatest terrorism-related threat that we face in the homeland is the threat of domestic violent extremism. Individuals drawn to violence because of ideologies of hate or false narratives propagated on social media and other online platforms. And the most prominent um, threat is the threat of white supremacists. <laughs> he said that at the National Action Network. That's Al Sharpton's outfit in uptown Manhattan. Where are the arrests of the white supremacists? Where are they? I can't stand white supremacy. But where are they? I mean, really, the number one threat? This is how we're going to get hurt as a country. Bad. You know, we're always talking about what is not the next big thing. Have you noticed that? Impeaching Trump over the Ukraine phone call and then COVID was brewing. Summer of 2001. Do you remember all the trivial stuff we were focused on when Al-Qaeda was planning? And now white supremacy and racism because of two years of lies. Remember this? Racism is everywhere. Racism is everywhere. And, and we need to fight against it. He said that at a hockey game. If there's any place where there's no racism, it's a hockey game. <laughs> but all right, you say that enough, Racism is everywhere, and guess what? They see racism everywhere. I saw a story that ice cream, ice cream is racist. And now going to the office, just going to the office is racist. All right, so pretty wild story about Apple computer. Number one, do you like Apple? You know, iMac, the iPhone, the iPad, I love it. You know who loved it? Rush Limbaugh, may he rest in peace. Rush, there he is with his iPhone. I actually became an Apple person because of Rush. He talked about it all the time on the air and uh, why I'm an Apple guy. And um, yeah, I went to Apple because of Rush Limbaugh. And have you been there? They've got, it's a great company. The store's uh, magnificent products. And it's a great American success story. I think it's the number one company in the world. It started in a garage, Steve Jobs and his friend uh, Waz. And now it is probably the biggest company ever. And boy, oh boy, do they have beautiful offices. They just spent like a billion dollars making the perfect office. Take a look. What looks like a giant spaceship parked in the lush flats of Cupertino, California, is actually tech giant Apple's new HQ. Fittingly named the Apple Park, this stunning architecture sprawls across 176 acres of land and might just be one of the most stunning campuses in the world. The grounds feature 3.2 kilometers worth of various walking and running trails, as well as 1,000 bikes that can be used to commute between the buildings. Other lifestyle facilities include a gym, wellness center, and a couple of basketball courts. There's also a huge two-story yoga studio where the desk jockeys can wind down and ease out their back pain. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? I mean, they thought of everything. What a nice company. And Tim Cook, he's the boss. Hey, by the way, I know these guys are woke and left and all that stuff. I mean, it uh, stands to reason, but this is an amazing piece of gear. I love mine. And uh, the policy they came up with, take a look at this. It's reasonable, right? The return to work. You only have to be there two days a week. Be in the office three days a week. You can work remotely Wednesday and Friday. Well, that's not good enough, according to a group within Apple called Apple Together. Uh, they sent a rather pointed memo to Tim Cook and all of his lieutenants, and it reads like this. Number one, 
What is required for creativity and excellent work for many of us is time for deep thought. But being in an office often does not enable this. Three fixed days in the office and the two work from home days broken apart by an office day is almost no flexibility at all. No flexibility, by the way. This is the definition of flexibility, flex schedule. Next, we are not asking for everyone to be forced to work from home. We are asking to decide for ourselves. Well, start your own business, maybe. We can't believe we need to spell this out. Here comes the attitude. But commuting to the office without an actual need to be there is a huge waste of time, as well as both mental and physical resources. Yeah, well, you know, commuting is a pain, but here we go. This is where they out themselves, by the way. Someone who spends eight hours a day working from Apple from home, for Apple from home, for example, but who has a one-hour, one-way commute to the office only gets six productive hours a day. Now, excuse me for a second. Are they saying they get there and, I don't know, an hour late and leave an hour early? That adds up to two hours. We estimate that the average time getting to work is about 20% of a workday. If so, how about you pay us for that additional time investment? All right, a couple more. Being in the office at least three fixed days a week will change the makeup of our workforce. Ah, and here we go. You know what it's going to do? It will make Apple younger, whiter, more male-dominated. Oh, these are terrible things. More neuronormative, whatever that means. More able-bodied. What a shame. In short, it will lead to privileges deciding who can work for Apple, not who'd be the best fit. You know what? I'm going to say right now, I don't know what neuronormative is, but I want somebody neuronormative working for me. How about we create a work environment where everyone who wants to work at Apple is able to do so? Well, it doesn't work that way. This is the real world. Oh, and here they go. One more warning to management. Stop trying to control how often you can see us in the office. Trust us. I mean, who do they think that Tim Cook is anyway? The boss? This is the culture we have right now after two years of uh, overcompensating for something bad that happened in Minneapolis to one person. I don't want to end like this, by the way. Steve Jobs and Apple, an amazing company, and he said some pretty amazing things over the years. I'm convinced that about half of what separates the successful entrepreneurs from the non-successful ones is pure perseverance. I love it. Perseverance. Uh, 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration, something like that. Anyway, good guy. Go to work at Apple. You got a beautiful office. They just spent, what, a billion and a half dollars setting it up for you, okay? And the office, gosh, uh, yeah, you may run into a white person. It's not, it's not the end of the world, okay? Finally, get yourself an iPhone or an Android. You have one of these things, iPhone, Android, smartphone, I complain about them. You have access to more information today if you're in the desert, say in Sudan, than Bill Clinton had in 1993 in the Oval Office. Access to more information. It's amazing when you think about it. Thank you, Steve Jobs. We'll be right back with Joe Biden. How could he get away with it at the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Uh, nice job on the tie, by the way. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? 
How about one with a conservative point of view? And it's actually funny. You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone, so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app, or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's All I, All I can, can say... say- is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? I learned this very, very vividly in 2003. So I was an embedded correspondent during the Iraq War, and it was a, well, it was a pretty hellacious time. Uh, four journalists, four that I was with, died by the time we got to Baghdad. It was, it was crazy. Then I get back, and a few months later... I go to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, you know, because I was a big-time war correspondent. And I heard George W. Bush say this. He was offensive, but what was even worse was the laughter. You may remember that we never found weapons of mass destruction. The whole point of going to Iraq was to get those weapons, right? They just laughed it off. Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. Nope, no weapons over there. (laughs) Maybe under here. People died looking for those weapons of mass destruction. And then it became a a punchline. And you heard everybody laughing. I was in the room. I wasn't laughing. I was fresh off the battlefield. And you know what? I had a couple of close calls over there myself. So uh, I didn't really fit in in Washington, D.C. I used to think it was me. Now I'm pretty sure it was them. So the White House Correspondents' Dinner, they had another one uh, this past week, and I guess the first in three years, and everybody kind of feels like a celebrity. That's, uh, That's part of it. Oh, and they give each other awards, trophy after trophy, to fake news reporter after fake news reporter. Most of the night is handing out various awards and trophies. I still don't know what they did, why they did, how they, I mean, it's just, here's Jonathan Carl, one of the fakest of them all, getting an award or passing the baton. Yeah, another award. Who needs these silly awards? What did they do? What have they done? All right. Trevor Noah was the MC. Look, I got to give it to him. He was somewhat funny. I'd give him a B, maybe even a B plus. Yes, he's woke. Yes, he's left. But he caught a couple of zingers in there. Uh, Joe Biden did not make fun of the media. Interesting. Why would he? The media protects him full time. Full time, they protect him. Yeah, nice job on the tie, by the way. His observations about the media were seriously off, though, at least the media as it exists right now. I've always believed that good journalism holds up a mirror to ourselves to reflect on the good, the bad, and the truth. The last time somebody did that, which was about a week ago, holding up a mirror to Libs of TikTok. Libs of TikTok is a great Twitter uh, site, and all they do is look at these crazy liberals on TikTok and put it out there for the world. Libs of TikTok, they were assailed and attacked, and all they did was put up a mirror to these freaks. 
Anyway, yeah, and they got uh, they got nailed for it uh, for just doing their jobs. But back to the dinner. Um, so much. It wasn't about comedy. It was about puffing up, you know, encouraging the press and overdoing it. I mean, it was over-the-top praise. Take a look. At home, a poison is running through our democracy. What's clear, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, that you, the free press, matter more than you ever did in the last century. Our future is bright. It's not guaranteed, because democracy is never guaranteed. Every single one of you, whether you like it or not, is a bastion of democracy. Our democracy depends on journalists shining light and truth upon darkness and lies and bringing accountability to officials at every level of our government. So long as they are not a Democrat, okay? <laughs> Especially if they are Trump people. I mean, Joe Biden is in front of these reporters every day, every day, and he doesn't get a question about the laptop. And we now know that Joe Biden has lied about the laptop to everybody. 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. Five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. It's all a smear. Every major outfit, every serious investigator has pointed out that this is a smear. This is classic Trump. Mr. Biden, what is your response to the New York Post story about your son, sir? I know you'd ask him. I have no response. Another smear campaign. Right up your alley. Another question you always ask. Not only is he a liar, he's a nasty, nasty liar. And he gets to stand up in front of that crowd and, and, and praise their, their seeking of the truth. And the crowd, by the way, they eat it up. They love it. They're flattered. Oh, just flatter them. They'll fall for it every time. It's pretty amazing. The president of the United States just got caught in one of the biggest lies ever told, and he's not been asked about it. He's not been confronted. They protect him. Meanwhile, take a rank-and-file Republican. I don't know, maybe um, Kevin McCarthy. All right, he's not rank-and-file. He's officially the leader, but most Americans could not pick this guy out of a lineup. I mean, he's a pretty, you know, average-looking guy, and unless you follow politics, you probably don't know who Kevin McCarthy is, but oh, when they caught Kevin McCarthy having a conversation that, quite frankly, in his defense, he may have forgotten about, what do they call him? Remember? House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy is a liar. There's no way to listen to that tape and to think that Kevin McCarthy told the truth. It was a lie. He was caught in a lie. He's a bad liar. You have, of course, Kevin McCarthy lying here. We see Kevin McCarthy going from lying to lying about lying. Oh, they got that Kevin McCarthy lying. Uh, but the president of the United And by the way, Kevin McCarthy may have just forgotten. But Joe Biden didn't forget. And they all let it go. All those silly people with all their awards, all their propaganda, all their silly self-talk about seeking the truth. And they get lied to, their faces, by a guy in a crooked bow tie. Anybody see that, by the way? Joe Biden. He's as crooked as that bow tie. Crooked Joe! It's even catchier than crooked Hillary. We'll be right back with the lie that must be addressed once and for all. 
Nobody was going to hang Mike Pence, okay? This is another fake news fantasy. And oh, by the way, wait until you see the imagery that they engage in regarding Trump and violence. Be right back. Oh, all those silly people with all their awards, all their propaganda, all their silly self-talk about seeking the truth, and they get lied to, their faces, by a guy in a crooked... Once and for all, nobody was going to hang Mike Pence, okay? This is another fake news fantasy. And oh, by the way, wait until you see the imagery that they engage in regarding Trump and violence. Be right back. I use an analogy to describe what I want as a hitman. If a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hired them does. There was an attack carried out on January 6th, and a hitman sent them. I want you to get to the bottom of that. Do you remember this guy? I do. Harry Dunn. Um... He cried a lot. He offered his political opinions uh, on everything. He's a Capitol Hill cop. He shouldn't be doing any of that. I believe he's been exploited. But now it's payback time for Harry Dunn. Oh, yeah, he went to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and he was a celebrity with a tuxedo and everything like that because, hey, you did the favor the Democrats needed when they needed it. And uh, now, uh, yeah, enjoy yourself. But in the meantime, the Capitol Hill Police Department have avoided a answering fundamental questions about what the hell happened on January 6th, okay? Why did this cop let people aggressively flagging them onto the Capitol steps? Why? Who is that cop, by the way? What about these uh, police officers standing on either side of the hallway? Come right in. No problem. Just walking right on by. And what about these guys, these Capitol cops who took a break very strange time to take a coffee break. Here they do. Look at this. They just walk off. We need answers. And then all hell breaks loose again. And about less than a minute later, Ashley Babbitt is shot and killed. Right there. Right after those cops walked away. Why did they walk away? And why aren't these questions being asked? Why aren't we getting our answers? Why instead do we sit through those phony panels and those ridiculous, that ridiculous testimony? These sob stories, they're hiding. Those who know the answers are hiding and using these guys, by the way. Take a look. Oh, no. Because of the, all the chemical that I, my uniform had on. I was carried back inside. What happened afterwards is much less vivid. One of the invaders approached me like he was going to try to get past me and head down the stairs. I was stunned by what I saw. You see, who's ever really running the show here, they believe... And it's actually worked so far that it's tough to ask these guys questions, right? Because, well, they're portraying them as sympathetically as possible. 
and people just don't want to go there. They're not brave enough. They don't have enough confidence. They, they're intimidated, and they shouldn't be. Very cynical, though, right? How about those, those glory pictorials, right? They're hiding behind women, often women of color, to avoid asking tough questions. Oh, you can't, no, you just, you can't, you can't press these. No, you can't go there. Why? Because you'll look bad if you, right? They're still at it. They're still at it. You saw Ganell there. He's probably the one I have the most contempt for, quite frankly. Um, the contempt that he showed for elected lawmakers that he's supposed to protect. You got people right now in front of the Justice Department asking to release some of the very same people to be released even though we are testifying about the trauma and the agony and everything that happened to us. It's pathetic. And they shouldn't be elected officials anymore. They shouldn't be elected officials anymore because it's pathetic. I think he's pathetic. And I think, quite frankly, he's able to get away with it because of demographics, let's say. Yeah, there's something very strange going on. He wrote a op-ed, believe it or not, for the Washington Post. Reads like this. Just last week, remembering is hard. I still suffer flashbacks. But it's also good to talk to people, to feel that ordinary Americans understand and care about what we did. I can't help but wonder, though, if any of them were part of the insurrection. This is when he's on duty. Could they be coming back to relieve, relive their big moment and gloat over the chaos they caused? Do they look at me and think, that's the Latino officer I shoved. I remain vigilant, keeping an eye out for anyone who seems to be bragging to their friends. He's not cut out for this line of work. If this is true, I have my doubts about whether or not it's true, but by his own definition, he should not be guarding anything because he's bragging to their friends. Who cares? I mean, people are allowed to talk to their friends. All right. Finally, we have to put this myth to bed once and for all. Mike Pence on January 6th. Yes, I heard the chanting. There was a little bit of it. If you listen carefully, you might be able to hear it. When we come back, Bill O'Reilly, legendary broadcaster and author, new book, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. This guy can talk. This guy can write. The one and only Bill O'Reilly when we come back. is back the legend legendary tv host legendary author take a look at this killing the killers a secret war against terrorists bill o'reilly author of 17 17 number one best sellers and of course host of uh, the number one talk show in the world for a very long time bill o'reilly congratulations this is sure to be number one as well how you doing welcome back to newsmax no, I appreciate you having me and Greg. I'm doing all right. We're busy. Uh, book comes out at midnight tonight. 
Pre's are uh, big. It's the best reporting I've done in my career, Killing the Killers. Because um, everything you read in that book, you don't know. A lot of it classified information. A lot of it happened right now as we speak. And uh, Americans I have no blanket idea about the weaponry that we're using, about how we're knocking back terrorists all over the world. And I think that we, the people, should know what's going on. So that's why I wrote Killing the Killers. And so, Bill, is it going to, like, encourage us? Um, we're good at going after the killers. That's the sense. It's 11 years ago, I think, we got bin Laden. Um, so this is going to make people have a, maybe a bit more confidence in their military and their government even now? Yeah, and that's the relevance of that, uh, because, you know, Putin is saber-rattling about using nukes, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. The uh, weaponry of the United States is far beyond anything that Putin has. Uh, if we chose to, we could wipe him and his government off the face of the earth in less than a day. Um, we have those weapons in space right now aimed right at Vlad. And Americans have no idea how we track down people like al-Baghdadi and Soleimani and Boko Haram leaders, it wasn't reported because there was no way that reporters would know about it, number one, and could report on it because all national security, number two. So we uh, got access to the national security stuff. It's in the book. And I think it will reassure Americans about how powerful our country really is, Greg. Well, congratulations, Bill. I've got it in my hands. Uh, Killing the Killers, the Secret War Against Terrorists. Hey, Bill, I want to play uh, something for you. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is uh, talking about setting up some sort of governance board that's going to determine what's disinformation, what's truthful, what's not. Uh, he was in New York a couple of weeks ago, and he had this to say about white supremacy. And I don't think this guy should be talking about misinformation. Take a look, please. The greatest terrorism-related threat that we face in the homeland is the threat of domestic violent extremism. Individuals drawn to violence because of ideologies of hate or false narratives propagated on social media and other online platforms. And the most prominent um, threat is the threat of white supremacists. Bill, I thought about some journalism you've done on this very topic. What do you think of this guy who just said, we would totally exaggerate about white supremacy, he's going to establish this board to look into misinformation and disinformation? Well, number one, Mayork is not going to be there much longer. He's going to find another opportunity soon. Number two, you'll never hear anything from the disinformation board again. This is a ruse to divert attention from the disastrous border. I wouldn't be worried about it. And I know it's got a lot of ink and all that, but no power. Nobody believes anything that these people say. They put a 33-year-old woman in charge who's a uh, far-left person. I mean, it's got nothing to do with reality. Now, white supremacy, white nationalism, it's a problem. But I assume the FBI has it under control, as it has had for decades. FBI wiped out the Klan under Hoover. Uh, we wrote about that in Killing the Mob, my last book. I'm not worried about white supremacy in this country. I'm much more worried about um, al-Qaeda, which is reconstituting right now in Afghanistan. ISIS reconstituting again in Iraq. 
These are uh, boys that will come over and do another World Trade Center if they can't. The white supremacists, there are a few nuts that would. But again, I think the FBI has got a handle on them. And my opinion of maybe a lot of clout running around this administration and they would like to control our speech. You know, they've demonized. Sure, but that's not the way it's going to happen. The big threat is the social media companies in Palo Alto. And uh, that's why they got so upset when Musk stepped in and said, well, I'm going to take one. I'm away from you. It'll be my toy, not your toy anymore. So, sure, every socialist communist government in the history of the planet has suppressed freedom of expression, every single one. So why would these Americans be any different? All right. Well, listen, your analysis, if this thing goes nowhere, that's good news because it was a dreadful idea. Bill, you know Trump like very few people do. You have special insight into this guy. You've known him a long time and of course, a very successful uh, speaking tour the two of you did. Where do things stand right now in terms of him running? And uh, what do you think of his, um, his political prognostications? You know, the endorsing and not endorsing and this guy and not that guy. What's your sense of Trump right now? Well, he wants to run and he can't announce until January uh, 23 because of campaign finance rules. Raise an enormous amount of money. Oh, I, I don't think anybody's ever raised the money that Donald Trump has raised. Um, if I were him, I, I kind of stay away from these uh, state races unless you really know the candidate well, um, because every one of your endorsements that lose, the left wing press going to ram down your throat. So, you know, politicians do this so that there'll be loyalty to them. I know why Trump is doing it. Um, but, you know, you got to have people around you who can really analyze what's happening. And uh, I think the Trump gubernatorial uh, endorsement in Georgia is going to lose. And I don't know if he really wants that on his resume. But at this point, Donald Trump wants to run in 24. Bill O'Reilly, thank you so much for being with us. The new book, again, available at midnight tonight. Uh, you can get it uh, on your Kindle or you get the hard copy like I've got right here. Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. Looks fantastic, sounds fantastic, and uh, we are sure that this will be your 18th bestseller. You know, I got it here. You're the number one bestselling nonfiction author in the history of the planet. How does that feel? You know, I'm humbled by it. And I'm not a humble guy, as you know, Greg, but I'm just a regular guy from Levittown, Long Island. And to sell more books, nonfiction books than anybody else has ever sold, uh, probably beside Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, um, <laughs> it's a pretty heady achievement. But I think Killing the Killers could be my best one. So I hope people consider it. Thanks for having me on, Greg. It's good to see you. You bet, Bill. Many thanks, and we'll be right back. In the audience, we have somebody doesn't know he's going to be announced, but I have to because he's been out there. J.R. Majewski, he's been fan. Where is he? Where is J.R.? Hello, J.R. You didn't even, they didn't even give you a good seat, J.R. But we, but we love you, J.R. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. This guy, he carves that name Trump in those fields. 
He's a genius. Thank you, Jerry. Really nice. Turned out that was the best seat in the House. J.R. Majewski is running for Congress. And yes, he is very good. Take a look at these uh, signs he paints on lawns. Absolutely incredible. Uh, mostly in honor of Trump. Show me one more. Yeah, look at that. It's, uh, it's great stuff. But in addition to all this, he has a great career behind him in nuclear security. He is currently running for Congress as a Republican in the 9th District in Ohio. Primary day is tomorrow, May 3rd. JR joins us right now. Hey, I didn't realize tomorrow was the primary. Uh, JR, are you, are you ready? Um, I feel bad. You should be out campaigning. Uh, what, how can we help? You know what, Greg? Absolutely. We're ready, man. We're going to, the 9th District of Ohio is going to deliver for America tomorrow. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic day. I can tell you that right now. All right. Well, listen, uh, um, we're rooting for you. And uh, sounds like it's going to be great. Now, I think you want to address something that I'm kind of curious about as well. Let's put up the fake news headlines. Uh, meet the insurrectionist running for Congress. Oh, boy. A Trump-loving insurrectionist. And, and J.R., the January 6th committee has issued a letter. They want to talk to you. Um, we haven't seen the letter. What can you tell us? Um, what do you think of these headlines? What happened? Well, I can tell you right now, Greg, I'm running against a 40-year progressive Democrat named Marcy Kaptur. And she's teaming with this unconstitutional and corrupt January, January 6th unselect committee. And uh, they're magically coming after me now. And, um, you know, I've been cleared by the FBI. I did travel to support the greatest president that this country has ever seen. I went to uh, Washington, D.C. on January 6th with some veterans that have been long retired. And, uh, you know, this is nothing but meddling with my election. And uh, they're trying to help my career politician, Democrat opponent, stay in office. But uh, I wanted to come on here tonight, Greg, and give a message. And this message is for nasty Nancy Pelosi and Lincoln Project Liz Cheney. You're not going to scare me. You're not going to silence me. And you're not going to you're not going to get me to lose this election. We're going to kick some butt tomorrow and uh, we're going to bring energy independence back to the United States. The jig is up. The red wave is coming and guys like me are going to block and tackle and we're going to disrupt the Biden agenda and we're going to conserve what liberties we have left and set the stage for President Trump to come back for a third time and or excuse me to win his election for the third time and return to the White House. Until then, guys like me are going to mine the gap for President Trump and stand right next to him like he's always stood with the American public. So, look, I, I, I love it. And you know what? <laughs> you were cleared, you say, by the FBI. So this is this is political. You know, they've arrested Absolutely. people who just looked at the Capitol, who just walked on by. You've not been arrested. You've not been charged. The FBI has talked to you. If there was something there, they would have done something. So this is this is politics, man. Absolutely. I mean, I found it curious, Greg, that... Uh, you know, my team and I were visiting our local sheriff and we were delivering pizza um, just to, just as a friendly gesture. And um, I got a call from the council and I, I, I they spent a lot of time validating whether or not I was the J.R. Majewski from Ohio who was running for Congress. And, uh, you know, I've been part of quite a few investigations on the side of law enforcement. And uh, I know the questions that are asked and I know what they're up to. And, uh, you know, they're they're absolutely 100% trying to intimidate me. Uh, Marcy Kaptur's scared, as she well should be. And, uh, they're, you know, they're trying to prevent guys like me from flipping the house. And, uh, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to back down. And uh, if we got to kick some, kick some butt before we get to D.C., that's what we're going to do. Well, 
it raises even more questions about that unselect committee, you call it, January 6th, issuing a letter like this, essentially on the eve of uh, Election Day. That's not right. Uh, by the way, Jr., uh, we, we talked about this briefly last time. How'd you learn how to do these things again? Uh, you, you're, you, you know graphic artists, these, these amazing, uh, uh, not sketches. What are, what are they technically? What is that, powder? Is it paint? What is it? So we actually, uh, I purchased all of this paint from a local company in Cleveland that actually manufactures the turf and athletic field paint for about 90% of the uh, athletic teams, both professionally and collegiate across the country. And uh, so that's environmentally safe uh, turf paint. And um, we actually had some in, had it injected with a little bit of fertilizer, uh, non-VOC, 100% environmentally safe. Yeah, I'm a nuclear guy and I care about the environment. So and we're right on the water, as you can yeah. see there, Greg. So uh, got, we got to be as safe and as sound as we can. So um, actually it. accelerated the, the, the amount of times I had to cut my grass because of it. <laughs> <laughs> J.R. Majewski, Republican candidate for Congress in the 9th District of Ohio. Good luck tomorrow, sir. Primary day. Thanks. Okay, everybody. And we'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Hey, a big rally, uh, Donald Trump rally in Pennsylvania this Friday. We'll have it live right here on Newsmax. Thanks for watching this show. Be sure to watch the rally. And I'll see you tomorrow. Stinchfield's next.